This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hey folks, good afternoon and welcome to Enterprise BizBytes. I'm Roshan Kanesan with me, Rich Bradbury. Oh man, I missed the adjective to describe you today, Rich. You I did. forgot. You know why I forgot? Because uh, it's a Monday, uh-huh. that's why. Monday, July the 10th, just around 12.06pm. A uh, little bit of a bluey day outside. Uh, I'm basing this on the reflection of the studio screen. A bluey day? A bluey day. Okay. Yes. Is that even a I'm word? meant to merge uh, Monday blues uh-huh. with the feel of the environment today day. So yes, I created a word today. <laughs> well done. Are you entertained? I am, I am. I Are am. you not entertained? I, I am entertained, yes, yes. <laughs> My word. Ah, Rich, on to more serious news. Oh you no, know. here we go. In June, the robot takeover took us another step forward. IKEA has assembled its own AI chatbot. Oh my word. Uh, and the name of this little baby Skynet? Mm-hmm. Billy. What? Yeah, they named it. They named this AI chatbot after their bookshelves. I, I don't the know how I feel about that. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I, I want it to be terrified, but then it's meant like, to disarm no, you. His name is Billy. Yeah. yeah you feel so a bit, uh, Billy uh, will very kindly be taking over routine queries, and IKEA says it's handled almost fifty percent of these kind of inquiries over the last two years mm. to its call center. Um, obviously, one of the key concerns, Rich, when we hear about something like this, of course, is job losses. Yeah. Um, as we discussed, actually, just a week ago, as many as four point five million Malaysians could be out of work by twenty thirty because of the increased use of AI if they don't upskill or reskill. Yeah, so IKEA has said that its uh, use of AI currently uh, won't mean job losses as they're retraining call center workers to become interior design advisors. Some eight thousand five. Uh, more on that later. Some eight thousand five hundred uh, workers have made the switch since twenty twenty one, and this move comes as IKEA expands its interior design service to the US and the UK after launching it in other countries. Customers like you and me uh, pay for advice via a video call and can order floor pan uh, floor plans and other design aids, uh, and this seems to have paid off. Yeah, sales was about 1.5 billion through this service. They've been able to sell stuff through this system, 1.5 billion dollars worth of things uh, over the 2022 financial year. So, okay, a bit of a not so doom and gloom note there. Uh-huh. Uh, but you know, when we take a look at this, Rich, one of the other questions that came to mind is: while IKEA folks don't have to worry that uh, Billy is going to leave them jobless, mm. it does bring up another interesting question, and this is with regards to businesses. Right? How does the rise of tech and AI chatbots change the way businesses need to think about their customer experience and service strategies? Because, mm. you know, if AI chatbots are going to be taking over routine tasks, how does that change the entire landscape of communicating mm. and engaging your customers? Well, if you've got any thoughts, let us know. Uh, give us a shout on WhatsApp. That's on our U mobile number at 018-789-8899. Again, that is 018-789-8899. Uh, in the meantime, while we wait, eagerly await your responses, we're going to boldly explore this abroad the enterprise here uh, and talk about the importance of customer experience, the need of the human element, and what the future of customer experience could look like with Byron Fernandez, the founder and group CIO of TDCX, a business process outsourcing service provider, more commonly known as BPO, that focuses on customer experience and contact centers across the globe. Uh, Byron, welcome to the show. Did I get that about right? You did indeed, Roshan. Thank you very much. We are starting on a good note on this bluey day. Uh, <laughs> Byron, what do you think of his word bluey? Not sure I can subscribe to that. Right, bluey. See? See? Yeah. It's not, not sure just about me. it. It's well, you know, yeah. hits and misses. Hits and misses. <laughs> um, 
Byron, co- communicating with businesses comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors now, right? So from the good old-fashioned phone call, which still exists, uh, to text messages over WhatsApp business, emails, tweets, DMs, threads for all we know now. Mm-hmm. Uh, TDC, uh, so there are a lot of different ways there. Now, TDCX has been in the customer experience and services business in one form or another for almost 30 years now. Mm. Uh, so maybe we can, you can, we can start this conversation off by giving us a sense of how the industry has changed over the last few decades. So, Roshan, I'll start by not commenting on how long I've been in the business <laughs> for fear of giving away my age. Um, but what I will tell you is that the change of the industry can be seen through the kind of changes that TDCX has had to go through uh, over the course of our own evolution. When we started in 1995, our scope was to handle, get this, calls, emails, and faxes. Oh, wow. Facsimiles. Do you know what Sorry. those are, Roche? Sorry, what? what do, you know, is do you know what they are? <laughs> yeah, yeah, That's just not fair, is it? I, no, I've, I've seen a fax machine. Uh-huh. I used to have one in my house. You'll see one very close up if you keep talking like that. They they carry carry on <laughs> well, guys, at the time, the idea of a BPO was very new in the region, right? It was challenging at the start. took a lot of time to get traction. The market size back then was not very large. Mm. And the appetite for services like ours was not really huge. The last two decades, however, we've seen substantial changes to the way businesses view CX, primarily driven by technological advancements, changing consumer behavior, and increasing competition. That's a big one. Yes. COVID-19 also accelerated this transformation because cloud technology suddenly became more accessible, more affordable. Basically, people had no choice Mm -hmm. but to pivot to the cloud. Um, Customers became more digitally savvy. Expectations changes. Um, they, they now think they want personalized services, first of all, faster response times while getting personalized service <laughs> and a hassle-free experience no across pressure. multiple channels. Yeah, no pressure at all, guys. Um, as a result, we saw a lot of our customers also saying, not only do we want you to provide greater productivity, because most businesses always want greater productivity, better cost management, but they also demanded that we deepen our core uh, expertise in the verticals that they're now operating in. Mm. I can give an example, real low-tech example, right? And this harkens back to our old days when we were... Harkens. Yeah, <laughs> when we were in 1995 selling insurance over the phone to a bank base. Um, <laughs> at that time, think about being a call center agent. It wasn't easy even then. Um, there was a predictive dialer screen. There was a soft phone screen. There is the CRM screen. There is all of this stuff going on. Uh, and as an agent, you've got to juggle talking to the customer while updating all of these systems live and in real time. Mm. Try not to make a mistake because it could <laughs> affect someone's policy or their coverage. Mm. Um, what we found even then was technology could really, really help. So what we did as a company was we took away all of these multiple screens from them because we knew that was causing a problem. And we built a super screen where we hid some of the dialer details that our agents didn't need to see. We hid a lot of the stuff that wasn't important to them and put right front and center what they needed to know to make that engagement with the customer better. And I think that made a huge difference uh, in how we did things. Compliance statements, as you know, being a regulated industry, uh, banking and financials, you have to go through all these compliance statements. We were able to offer those up using IVR or digital channels. Hey, think about it back in 95, right? Digital (laughs) channels. Um, And all of these digital tools we provided was with one aim in mind, basically augment the human being with performance, 
through technology mm. and improve the experience. Okay, yeah. just before we, we go to our first break, so we know the Omnichannel CX is here to stay, and, and Zendesk, uh, Zendesk uh, shows data that in APAC, 72% of consumers spend more with companies that provide, as you mentioned, this seamless omnichannel experience across all of the touch points. Uh, and you mentioned like getting rid of things on screens that you don't that they don't need to see. Yes. What does an effective omnichannel CX strategy look like then? That's a great question ah. and a really big one. Rich. It is. Yeah, it no is. No pressure. <laughs> so a few key factors. If I had to nail down the, the key ingredients of a successful uh, omnichannel CX strategy, we'll start with consistency. A consistent brand experience across all the different touch points. Remember, these touch points evolved over time. Mm. So we got really good at doing things over the phone because we started doing things over the phone real early. Mm -hmm. Now, imagine a company pivoting towards doing things over social media, over things like uh, live chat, asynchronous chat. All of these channels came later. Mm. And the result of that is a lot of companies found glaring inconsistencies in how customers were treated across these channels. The first ingredient is to gain that consistency across all. So the customer feels like they're talking to the same person right. across the different channels. Yeah. The second one is to take a tech-enabled, human-assisted approach to CX. Without technology, if you reached me on one channel and then came to me on another channel, how would I ever know? Yeah. The, the importance of technology being at the center of everything we're doing cannot be overstated. Um, for an effective CX strategy uh, over an omnichannel platform, you have to put the tech piece in the center of delivery. Finally, strong monitoring and quality processes. You've got to look at what you're doing and constantly question it. Why? Because what customers are doing, it's dynamic. Mm. What makes a customer happy today mm. isn't going to keep them happy tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. And that's a really big point, one yeah. I think a lot of businesses miss. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh Brian, we've got more to get into, but we got to go into a few messages right now. Folks, if you just joined us in June, the robot took takeover started to take step here in the, um, across the world as EK assembled its own AI chatbot called Billy to take over routine customer service queries. Now, while no job losses have been reported yet, they've been reskilling their workers. The bigger question here is how does this signal that businesses need to adapt and change up the way they communicate with their customers and helping us with that conversation has been Byron here from TDCX. Uh, let us know what you think over on WhatsApp at 018-789-8899. You can also tweet us and I'm pretty sure you can also thread us at BFM Radio. I'm Richard Kinderson with Richard Bradbury. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Best for money, BFM 89.9. Hey folks, welcome back to Enterprise Biz Bites. You're here with Roshan and Richard. And just a few seconds ago, that was uh, actually one of my mom's favorite songs, Tina Turner, with What's Love Got to Do With It. Rich, feeling uh, nostalgic, reminiscent, Yo, anything like that? You <laughs> cheeky, yeah, yeah, just a little bit. Yes, maybe. <laughs> Byron, I'm not going to say anything to you. Um, folks, if you just joined us on the back of IKEA assembling its own AI chatbot and moving a lot of its customer service or customer call center workers over to become interior design advisors, we're bringing up a different question, not about joblessness, but about how businesses in the face of AI and technology need to update, change or adapt to the way customers are, customer experience and service should be strategized and employed. Helping us with that composition is Byron Fernandez, founder and group CIO, that's chief information officer, correct? That's At right. TDCX, a business processing outsourcing service provider, or more commonly known as BPO, that focuses on customer experience and contact centers across the globe. Um, 
Baron, IKEA, as I mentioned, has its own chatbot. It's called Billy. Uh, very uh, meant to disarm us. Yes. Disarm yeah. us before Skynet takes flight. Um, it's taking over routine customer careers right now. Uh, so much so that it's, you know, they're retraining call center workers to become interior designers, around 8,500 workers since the start of 2021. So clearly a big move on their part and could signal more to come. But now all customers may not be comfortable with this idea of speaking to a chatbot, even mm-hmm. as human as it may sound. So maybe give us a sense of what strategies can businesses adopt to ensure that balance right, between automation and that human element, that human support. Such a great question, Roshan. Um, I think we can all agree that um, Billy's a better name than Skynet. Right? Agreed. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You got to disarm the people first. Okay. And with that out of the way, we can talk a little <laughs> bit about uh, we can talk a little bit about some of the uh, strategies that businesses can adopt uh, in a situation like this. So, guys, AI's got lots of applications, um, but the emotive aspect is one that AI is still yet to replicate. Mm-hmm. So this means that human touch still has an outsized advantage over technology, at least today. Um, Routine queries, yes, we can hand those off to chatbots. um, But brands that want to go the extra mile for their customers will still cater for different needs and preferences. Now, for example, there are customers all over the world with visual challenges, people who are unfamiliar with technology. There are some markets we operate in that have um, a more elderly workforce that isn't as exposed to technology and new technology adoption as as, the general masses. And in a situation like that, a human being is still irreplaceable. I think what what organizations need to really think about now is how do they combine humans and technology? Right. I, I said it earlier, it's uh, better to be synergistic than antagonistic. Um, <laughs> bringing that parallel over to your super screen, correct? Uh-huh. Yes. Now, approaches where you leave the heavy process lifting to computers, right? Leverage your newly freed staff time for better and richer experiences. Case in point, precisely what IKEA is doing um, with their 8,500 people. But there's other stuff you can do as well. Customer journey mapping. We don't mm. talk enough about this. Areas where customers can be supported by AI. Prioritize the high impact areas, areas where customers are having to wait a long time, where they have difficulty getting information. These are some of the things that are really, really important. And I feel businesses haven't really um, even scratched the surface as to what they can do with that time. That's led to TDCX doing something. We've recently launched something called TDCX AI, which is a, a new company, a consulting arm of TDCX. So what we did is we gathered 50 of the best brains in the industry, specialists, uh, to leverage the power of AI, analyze big data, generate insights, unlock opportunities for stronger predictive capabilities. That's what we're looking to do. Use this cutting-edge technology to surpass the expectations customers have of you right now and provide an experience that's unparalleled. Now, to do this, you've got to look at the mountains and mountains of customer data that (laughs) most businesses have and quite frankly, don't do very much with at this point in time. That will help us identify preferences, habits, behaviors, and allow for us to create tailored customer experience journeys that our customers are gonna really love. So it's important for key decision makers and their teams to determine the role that generative AI is going to play in their business, and as well, be really honest about their readiness. Can't overstate this, their mm. readiness before starting on this journey. Now, you mentioned uh, preferences there. Now, yes. uh, if we look at it, <coughs> excuse me, a study, uh, Infobip APAC study, uh, and this was cited by the uh, NST back in 2022, um, 
people still prefer to communicate with a live human agent, like you, like you mentioned, even through online chat, via social media or even over the phone. And we've, we've also been seeing this rise of AI chatbots. Now, personally, I like to speak to a real person, you yep. know, because I think everybody does, right, essentially. Have, have, what about the, the changing preferences for, for CX here in Malaysia? Are there people, do you see this changing? You still, are people moving over to like, oh, I, I don't mind an AI chatbot so much? Or do they still think like me and want to pick up the phone <laughs> and, and speak to you know, somebody who's real? That's a great question. Ah. And I think before I answer it, what we've got to think about here, Rich, is why is the customer contacting us? Right. Now, if I was contacting you to ask a simple question like, what time is the delivery guy expected to deliver my Billy book cabinets? Mm, mm. <laughs> then I'd be perfectly happy with an AI telling me, your appointment's 11.30 this morning, right, Byron. Yeah, yeah. I'd be perfectly happy with yeah. that. But if I was calling because I'm stuck halfway around the world, I'm trying to get a flight ticket back to the country because my wife's having a baby and I need to get back on time, there is no way I'm going to want to talk to a chatbot. Right. I'm going to want a person yeah. who gets how important this is to me and who will go the extra mile to make sure that it happens. And I think that's really the, the, the crux of the matter, right? Uh, the motivation level of the customer that you're talking to has a lot to do with the channels that he or she will accept. Mm, mm. That's an important point to think about. Uh, and chatbots cannot respond to emotion. They can't hear the difference between somebody who's angry, somebody who's sad. You know, Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Not yet, anyway. Not yet. <laughs> uh, but, but Billy's also, getting there. Billy's <laughs> getting there. Um, but in all seriousness, um, uh, Byron, uh, maybe give us a sense of you know, region because you don't operate just in Malaysia. You sure. operate in multi markets. Mm. Yeah. You know, are there particular you know customer behaviors that you see in one market? There may be uh, the preferences in one market versus Malaysia. You know, could you give us a sense of uh, some of the differences across the markets you operate? I surely can. Um, TDCX wrote a white paper actually. ASEAN SMEs, small business, big opportunity for tech providers. Now on SMEs, what we found for Malaysian businesses about 57% still prefer human-assisted mm. customer service hotlines. 57, that's a big number. Um, we're seeing different numbers across the regions. So there are some markets, for example, where text chatting is completely prevalent. And if you can get your chatbot to be close enough, approximately enough to a person, you could get away with customers being quite happy to chat with a chatbot. Um, but where it's sort of high-touch, high-complexity product, where there's a lot of emotion involved, like the example I gave of an airline earlier. Mm -hmm. um, in a situation like that, they're going to want a person. So what we've seen is uh, across more established markets, for simpler inquiry types that are a bit more routine, a bit more structured, um, you know, the, the masses tend to agree with using uh, automated systems. Think of this as a continuum, and, and I'll express it in terms that will make sense. Uh, in Malaysia, way back when... I Russian, you probably won't remember when. Um, there was a time... We're making him feel really good about himself I today. Know, you know, Rich. We I need know. to knock him down We've a little bit. We've got to do something about that. But um, <laughs> What did I do? <laughs> we'll tell you during the break. <laughs> so uh, way back when, you'd go to a bank in Malaysia and you expect to walk to a teller and see a person. That's right. Mm, fill yeah. out a paper form, yeah. get your money over the counter and leave. Uh, but over time... You've developed a preference for the ATM machine. Mm. It never goes to sleep. You don't have to not get service after 6 p.m. Very predictable, very structured. And in the end, we're all happy with ATM machines for withdrawals today. Mm. We're happy with cash deposit machines for deposits today. Something that barely 30 years ago, 
you wouldn't have thought would happen. Mm. And we're seeing this happen across all of the different markets that we offer in. Um, the ones that are more mature, you'll find a far greater adoption of automation um, and of uh, uh, AI-assisted channels than you would um, in markets where people are a little bit newer uh, in their exposure to that technology. You know, so... That example there, Byron, is basically what it's saying is it's about value, right? The value needs to be big enough and it needs to work so that customers don't feel that pain point. So that it yes. like that convenience of going to an ATM outstrips the maybe the the discomfort of getting this the money from your from this machine mm-hmm. uh, maybe at the start. So with that in mind then, let's maybe just take everything we've talked about so far and distill it down into, you know, how does all this inform the way, you know, a business, whether it's an SME or a large MNC, uh, should be looking at the way, you know, omnichannel is it's here to stay. So how should they be looking at their omnichannel customer experience uh, strategies? So I've given away some of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think journey mapping is absolutely essential. See, you nailed it when you said, uh, Roshan, that uh, customers will accept the change if there's a benefit to them. The ATM not closing at night and being quicker to dispense money than perhaps queuing at a counter to meet a human is a great reason to use the machine, right? Mm. Um, so in journey mapping, when you identify the pain points, the opportunities, you realize you could create a more engaging customer experience using technology and not using a person. Mm. So there's a time and place for tech. Um, and journey mapping is going to tell you where that is. The second most important thing is data is king. Leverage the customer data and insights that you have to deliver personalized experiences. Um, this is something we're just not doing enough of today. Mm. Uh, we look back in uh, 11 years ago, we were using machine learning algorithms to look through mountains of uh, customer data when, mm. when people were calling in, why were they calling us? When people walked into the branches, why were they walking into the branches? What was the issue? And if the CEO at the time said, this change we made to our billing policy, how has it affected our customers? You cannot possibly answer that without a machine learning model going through that 120,000 interactions a day. Um, So we've been using AI from way back, 11 years ago, right? But this is something we just don't do enough of. And some industries are better at it than others. But I think that, um, you know, everyone's got to get on board with using their data in a much more uh, structured way. Lastly, an agile approach towards solving business challenges. A lot of companies are hesitant to change. If it ain't broken, why fix it? (laughs) Um, So you've got to adopt these new channels and technologies based on customer preferences and how those preferences are going to continue to evolve. Yeah. So other other than um, not looking at the data when they should have been looking at it, what other mistakes do you see businesses make with their uh, their CX that you think should be implemented now? What are some of the changes you expect to see? Well, um, so a lot of companies, they're, they're still faced with the challenge of managing their large, complex data sets. Uh, and even though the world today is so data-driven, I mean, if you look at it statistically, more than 90% of the data in the world was created just in the past few years. I don't have the exact number of years, but... Uh, it's you know, crazy. Yeah. yeah, it is absolutely crazy when, when you look at it from a big data point of view. A lot of companies are still facing the challenges of, first of all, gathering, managing, structuring, making sense of all of this data that they've got. Yeah. Many companies lack the expertise to do it, yeah. and they don't even know where to go. Um, the job market 
is is evolving. So you'll see that people are scrambling to find data science people. They're scrambling to find people who are experts in robotic process automation and machine learning. Uh, these are the skills of the future. This is what everyone's trying to hire. But companies are still behind the curve. And, um, and edu- the education system is still trying to build out all these graduates that the industry needs. I, th- I think they've kind of recognized that yes. rec- fairly recently. Yes, they? Yes, yes, they have. Yes, they have. Um, but what are we trying to do about it at TDCX? We, we've developed an AI maturity model. Right. And this model, we sat and we thought about it over a period of weeks and built out sort of a structure with, with questions that you look at um, the ability of a company across multiple areas, their leadership and vision, proficiency in AI, their org structure, process maturity, technical infrastructure, data security and privacy, just to name a few. Um, And by looking at all of these things, we start to realize there are a lot of mismatched technology choices. That's pretty prevalent. Um, Not mobilizing customer data effectively, something that happens a lot. And depending on the size of the company, Rich, you'll be surprised. Some lack even a CX strategy. Mm. Yeah, Completely. Yes. Wow. Mm. Baron, the the technology mismatch, is there an uh, example you could provide for what that could look like? Sure, sure, I could. Um, So, for example, a lot of companies will think of using uh, a CRM platform to take in all of the data about their Mm. customers. There are specific platforms that serve certain industries better um, and have features that will allow you to create data sets and capture information about customers that other systems won't have. Sometimes I look at the choice of of CRM that uh, companies buy is just on the back of what's most popular at that point in time, what's flavor of the month. Will it do what you need it to do, I guess, Mm -hmm. is the bigger question. But very often in technology decisions, people play it safe. They buy what everyone else is buying because by doing that, you can't go wrong. Mm. Having said that, though, uh, a lot of customization, a lot of thought needs to go into how to shape the system so that it's able to do everything they need it to do. Really important. All right, last question, Baron. Um, we've talked a lot about AI. Um, is AI the future of custom support? And if so, does it spell trouble for the BPO industry? Uh, you're adapting to it already. Um, what is it that? What does the future look like? Roshan, the, the role of AI, it's not new to us. I mentioned earlier, 11 years ago, we were on machine learning uh, and doing things in AI. The development of AI and chat GPT, the reason why it's all a buzz now is because until chat GPT, Mm. The man on the street did not have access to a real, tangible AI implementation. And today they do. And this is why the question is on the minds of everyone. What's it going to do? Mm. Now, it's not new to the industry. In the past, um, there was a company, a bank, that named their IVR Lili, much the same way that uh, IKEA has named their chatbot Billy. <laughs> and uh, it's this journey we've seen. Yes, we'll have to reshape the way people think and do things. Uh, yes, we'll have to change processes so that we'll be able to deliver, um, you know, deliver those interactions quicker the way we're doing, the way we're doing uh, today. But it isn't going to displace anyone. The industry is still around mm. after all these technology mm. uh, changes that have happened over the past decades. I and, think, and the cat is out of the box. You can't put it back in again. No, now. you can't. No. This is it. No. You know, the change is there. So let me give you a great example, Rich. Instead of viewing Gen AI as a friend or foe situation, right? Let's consider. Using AI and humans together, joining forces to enhance strengths. We've got a process where we have an extremely technically complex uh, product that uh, that our folks work on, managing customers daily. And we're talking about thousands of customers daily, right? And when they first come in, 
It takes 30 days at level one type interactions, the easiest, before you can get to level two. And then you've got to be there 30 days before you can get comfortable enough to go to level three. And only then you can answer the most technically difficult questions. 90 days before you can fully serve a customer. That is a long time. And one of, one of our clients said, Byron, what can we do uh, with Gen AI to enhance that? And I thought about my early days as an agent when I was sitting at the desk and I didn't know how to handle a customer. In the early days, what you do is you get a supervisor or a super agent, an SME sitting next to you, and he's jacked in so he can hear the customer as well. So you, you, know, you run into trouble, you can just put the customer on hold and go mm. like, what do I do? <laughs> now, what we did today was we took the entire knowledge base of this client, both public and private, we put it onto a customized instance of GPT, created an assistant that would help agents who are new to the business find answers for customers and phrase it in a manner that's at least close to being human and empathic. Um, and that's changed the paradigm. It's helped them accelerate their knowledge and their learning and their confidence, most importantly, in dealing with customers. Beautiful example mm. of how you know people and, and AI working together. And finally, you know, with all of that being said, it's still crucial, I think, for human agents to keep learning and upgrading their skills. As soon as we enter an era of complacency, we get displaced. Uh, when employees are future ready with the skills that are needed in demand, that's when they're gonna be able to do more meaningful stuff. Byron, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a very, uh, in not intriguing, it's been a very informative conversation. Thank you so much. My pleasure, Roshan. Uh, folks, we've been speaking with Byron Fernandez, Group Chief Information Officer and Executive Vice President of TDCX. That's a business processing outsourcing service provider, or more commonly known as BPO. Uh, we've been talking about AI chatbots like Billy, like IKEA's Billy, and how they could change the way businesses need to think about their customer experience and service strategies. If you missed any part of this conversation, you can catch the podcast on our website at bfm.my or download the BFM app. You can also find our shows on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast players. Rich, any quick words, anything you learned today that you want to highlight before we move on? No, I, I think it's just hearing that reinforcement that I, I think a lot of people need to hear. You know, you're not going to lose your job. What's going to happen is that AI is going to help supplement what you do already. You know, it's treat it as a friend, not as a foe, Roshan. Billy is a friend. Billy is a friend. That's yeah. the propaganda. Yeah. kind of got to you already. <laughs> um, you know, but you know, there are lots of areas of promise in terms of the job scope, yeah. areas of growth. And one of them actually is something that's going to be happening on the Breakfast Grill today, the repeat after the 1 p.m. news bulletin. That's sustainability. Uh, ERM is a global sustainability consulting firm headquartered in London. Global CEO Tom Reichardt shares with us the challenges in driving the sustainability agenda as the earth continues to break temperature records, as well as the rise and risk of greenwashing. Uh, catch that conversation after the 1 p.m. news bulletin. I'm Roshan Kinesen with Richard Bradbury. And no, we have not been replaced by AI just yet. This has been Enterprise Business Bites. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app. 